I'm Harmony Williams, and this is Life Changing Trips. Sometimes it's hard to see the freedom and the beauty that lives behind the weight of everything we carry. But I believe that life is so amazing, and I can't waste another moment. I'm so excited to be here with you for another transformational conversation about experiences and the latest research on plant medicine, meditation, breath work, and other unconventional modalities, and how they are being used for mental health and expansion. I hope by listening that you will find ways to integrate your peak experiences and epiphanies to open up new levels of possibilities, ingenuity, and fulfillment in business, and deeper, authentic connection and passion in your relationships, and a feeling of purpose, of living fully alive. All content is for informational, entertainment, educational, and harm reduction purposes only. Life-Changing Trips and Harmony Williams and their affiliates and guests are not doctors or mental health professionals or legal advisors. Any information shared is not meant to treat, diagnose, or claim cures for any physical conditions or mental illness. Psychedelics and sacred plant medicines are not for everyone, even when done legally. There are serious contraindications with various health conditions and pharmaceutical medications. Please do your own research and take action to be informed. Remember that you are 100% responsible for your actions and subsequent consequences. The views of the guests are not the views and opinions of life-changing trips. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to have this interview. And this is actually an interview that Amy Anderson did with me. And so she is actually never tried psychedelics and had a whole bunch of questions when we got talking in a podcasting group of ours. And I'm so grateful to her that she was willing to put this out to her audience and ask the questions and learn more. It actually hasn't aired on hers yet, but um, we are going to post it here because I think it has a lot of great questions that if you aren't really in this realm and you don't quite understand, I may have skipped over and the, just some basics that she, that, that newbies, (laughs) newbies might ask or someone who's just like, what, what is this? So I think that's really fun. It has microdosing she asked about, and we talk about where and if psychedelics are legal about if they're addictive. I also tell a little bit about my story and my daughter's story and how I got into any of this. Okay, I want to tell you a little bit about Amy and her podcast and what she's about. We actually met in a podcasting group and she was just so fun to talk to and so kind and so willing to help out in any way she could. So I loved her just from the instant I met her and the fact that she was open enough, never having heard any of this and willing to do the interview with me. That's actually not everyone is. It's, um, some people are a little nervous about that. So I just loved her openness and her podcast is called inspired by reflections. And she, she herself has been a business owner, entrepreneur, gone through divorce, a blended family, um, all kinds of things they talk about on her podcast. She talks about parenting. She has guests on that talk about sex and sacred relationships, about human design, about dating in your 70s, about 
moving past roadblocks, showing up and holding space, graduation parenting, all kinds of really cool things. But if you are stuck, feeling alone, or needing a laugh about life, she is brave and talking about all these different things, learning from others' perspectives, and just persevering through this amazing life. I'll leave some links in the comments, but go listen to her podcast, Inspired by Reflections, and check her out on social media. Give her some love. And I'll just leave you with this last little quote from her podcast description. Let's get inspired to be courageous, to take on the next steps, to redirect our thinking by the reflections of ourselves and others. Hello, welcome, friends. I am so happy that you are here today. We have a fantastic guest, Harmony Williams, with us. She also has a podcast called Life Changing Trips based on plant, plant-based plant medicine. Um, she is from St. George, Utah. She is a mother of five with a background in as an entrepreneur. She has had quite a journey that has led her to the discovery of therapeutic plant-based medicine. And I am thrilled to talk with her today as I don't know much at all about this topic. So I am thrilled that she is here to share it with us. And I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of questions, which I'm sure you all are going to want to know too. So welcome today, Harmony. I'm glad to have you. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Yes, I think so too. So let's start off a bit like, how did you get into researching this? Is the, was there, what, how did you get into this? Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a very religious Mormon culture in Utah, and this was not on my radar. I knew nothing about plant medicines and it was just, I mean, if you would have talked about psychedelics or something like that, I'd just be like, yeah, that's crazy. That's like heroin or something. Right. You know, I didn't know I'd never had a sip of alcohol, never even tried coffee. Cause that was against our word of wisdom. And I lived that. And so it was very foreign to me. And I w- really never probably would have even looked into it if it weren't for my daughter, she'd been sexually abused and she was really struggling with depression and suicidality and it we'll get we'll get right into it here oh my goodness it, i yeah it's heartbreaking to have your little baby girl and know that you didn't protect her i mean we didn't let her sleep over at friends houses because we didn't want that to happen right we thought we were doing all the things we were supposed to do to protect her and we didn't. And so as she's going through this and I'm experiencing with her and nights of just heartbreaking, sobbing and oh goodness. Anyway, we won't get too far into it, but it, it was rough. And when she was so couldn't live her life, you know, and it, and she's this beautiful, amazing, we didn't really know why until we found out she'd been sexually abused. We didn't know what was going on. We're like, she has this beautiful voice. She's gorgeous. She's well-liked. Like she's does well in school. She's smart. Like, what is, why is she depressed? I don't understand. We finally did medications and that wasn't, and we were doing therapy and had to do, go through a few therapists. Some of them were kind of terrible and told her it was one of them that it was her fault and she shouldn't have, oh. you know, like, 
let them or whatever. And For like that, you need that guilt on you on top of it, you know, that I, what I hear is they already hold enough guilt, you know, enough. And just a total side note, one of the guests I interview, she was sexually abused nearly her whole life by her caretakers, her adoptive her grandparents who adopted her and she did a psychedelic and she said it was, she didn't know what forgiveness was until then. And she clarified, I couldn't forgive myself until then. And I was like, what, why should anyone have guilt from, you know what I mean? Like, yes. And, but there is, they're like, I should have talk to people sooner. I should have told, but there's all these coercive Done things, things differently yeah. that the abusers do, you know, to, to get you to believe you're, you can't talk about it and you have all this shame inside. And, and she also, That's that one also mind. said, um, that gal on my podcast that she was able to see it from a higher consciousness and forgive her abusers. And she said, I don't, I don't let them in my life. And it still comes up a little bit, but my heart is healed. I'm not carrying that around with me. And it, it was just incredible. Her story is amazing. And back to my daughter. So we did, we found a therapist that was good and that was helping a little bit. And we had her on medications and that wasn't really working. Sometimes it'd make things worse or she was just numb. They doubled the medication dosage and then they eventually added a third medication or another medication to it. Is that like medications? Are you talking like narcotics or are you talking like like, antidepressants or you're talking like what? Okay. Yeah. So like SSRIs, antidepressant plus a anxiety medication. Okay. And so that wasn't working. And I, I mean, it was on my mind a lot because I mean, I, I would have her sleep with me in our bed, you know, this grown girl for fear that she was going to take her own life and, you know, bring her alone. Yeah. Those things alone, if you're trying to get on different doses of the medical stuff, it messes with your brain or there's certain, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a really good book that if anyone's struggling with depression, it's Daniel Amen's book about depression. And he has one about ADHD. That's incredible too. And he's done hundreds of thousands of brain scans and he's itemized different types of depression. So normally we went in and they're like, well, we don't know what works. This one, this medication's pretty good for a lot of people, but then it's terrible for some people and makes you more suicidal. And then this one's pretty good for some, and they're just like throwing darts at it. And in his book, he, he can scan your brain, or you can look at like the symptoms and, and he's kind of categorized the brain scans into different symptoms that all align with the brain and which medications or supplements are best for that. And he also gives you natural ways and things to do on top of that. Very good. So sounds like a great book. Yeah. Incredible. Really good. And he has some videos out there too on YouTube, but as we're doing this and I'm searching for answers, somebody hands me the book, how to change your mind. And this is also, if anyone's interested at the end of this, a really great one to link to there's a Netflix show. So it's super accessible, very fascinating, beautiful imagery, very well put together and, um, medical research end of it, um, therapeutic end of it. It's not like going and just watching some 
trip report online, right? Of someone who's partying or whatever. It's very right. medical. So that's a great one. So I read the book, which is, I mean, if you like the Netflix show, go read the book because it's awesome. It's totally more information. And it okay. did change my mind. It opened my mind to this possibility like, oh, they're doing tons of research on this. Johns Hopkins has you know, this research and there's MDMA research going on over here for PTSD, which sexual abuse survivors, they'll go into panic attacks, PTSD, these triggered emotional visceral reactions that are, you know, don't make sense, but it's PTSD they're going through. And, um, they found that the MDMA, which is very close to being FDA approved, like months away, from being FDA approved to make it legal. And it does, MDMA has some, it's addictive and Adderall is addictive. There's lots of medications we use, anxiety medications, those kind of things. There's lots of things that are addictive. So they're very careful about using it medically, but it's been very effective with PTSD and lots of soldiers are using it. MDMA, that is yeah. stands for what? Okay, so it's the pure form of, Molly or ecstasy. So ecstasy kind of connotates they've got a bunch of other stuff. It might be laced with meth or laced with uh what is it? The big one that they're talking about. Um, fent- fentanyl. Fentanyl. Yeah. It might yeah. be laced with other things when you get it on the street. And of course, in the studies, they're using the very pure form of the chemical. Okay. But it is still addictive and it d- does still have some dangers if you're using it too often on your brain, but it, they actually, when they first were studying it, um, not only for, they've now been really doing hard on the PTSD studies, but they used to in the sixties, use it for marriage therapy because it drops your defenses. You don't have these, like, you're not seeing weird visuals or anything like that. You're very present. It like pulls you back in, but it, it, kind of drops the defenses and opens your heart up a little bit. So you can talk about really hard things. Hence a soldier who's killed children or, you know, a person who's been sexually abused, like bringing these things up, they don't want to bring them back up and live, relive them every day in therapy. Right. But if they have that and same within the marriage therapy and they're safe to talk about maybe a betrayal or to talk about some of these issues that they just can't get past because their emotions and their defenses come up and they start attacking each other. And it's incredible. Sometimes they call it a truth serum too. (laughs) So it's very interesting. And I like it. If anyone's going to look into that, there is a study going on, a PTSD study in Las Vegas, Nevada right now that they could apply for. My daughter didn't qualify for that. She had to have been further away from the trauma and it had to have gone on for a certain amount. There's very, you know, certain guidelines for I'm everything. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so there's lots of studies, but you'd, you'd really, I'd encourage anyone on any of these things, do your homework a lot because there's a lot of potential, but they're very powerful. And so if you're just using them lightly or without intention or without a experienced facilitator, these studies, they have a a doctor there, you know, a psychiatrist there, they have a, a guide, kind of a shaman type person. Uh-huh. And traditionally there was always a shaman who'd had hundreds of thousands of people that they've dealt with. And they're not just like in the living room with their friend 
partying, right? So a, a word of caution there to wrap up my daughter's story. So after I dug in and this is my daughter. So it was like, when I'm doing the research, it wasn't like, let's find all the good things about this. This sounds fun, right? That wasn't how I researched. (laughs) You're a concerned mom. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. Help my, help my kid get through this. I, I would, you're a fantastic mom. I wouldn't stop at anything either. Right. Right. And that's, I think that's the only reason I don't know. I don't know if I would have looked at it if not. Um, but the, I was like, what's the worst case scenario? What are the problems that can happen short-term? What about long-term research? What have they done? How does this affect your brain? How does this affect your, you know, like I just wanted to know the worst possible scenario. It's it's your child. (laughs) Yes. Right. It's your child. And so that's definitely what I recommend everyone. And you kind of you kind of do have to do your own research, you know, and just get to a point where you've seen enough studies and enough done enough of that, where you're like, okay. And that's what we kind of show on the podcast. A lot of, we have, we have shaman and we have psychologists on the podcast, but a lot of just normal people that have done enough a six-year-old woman is going to, is the first episode and she's never, ever tried anything like this. Right. Yeah. And, and she'd been through divorce and 10 therapists in five years. And her best friend is actually who sent me to her that I met by the pool crazy anyway. And she was like, she's not the same five years and she's been miserable. And I've been best friends with her since we were teens. And I couldn't even talk to her on the phone because she was so miserable. And after this, she was different and she has purpose in her life and she has passion and she sees the beauty in life again and she's fun again. And anyway, so it's so fun to hear from just normal people and these different stories and they're incredible. The things she learns, she's just like this yogi master when she's telling about it, these, these things that are so big, it's hard to explain them and so profound and life-changing. So I'm going to get through my daughter's story. It was like a two minute story. I swear. I just keep no, getting, it's all relative. It sounds I, great. I yes. track because it is all, it kind of all comes up and it's like, Oh, yeah. I should mention this. So, so, um, before I get back to my daughter's story, I lied. We're not going to finish it. As I said, MDMA is addictive and psilocybin is not chemically addictive. So psilocybin is the active ingredient, active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And it's very similar. LSD is grown on wheat, ergot, and it's a little, so they, they chemically derive it from this wheat. It's a fungus grown on the wheat and LSD and psilocybin are similar. They're not the same, but that those are the two substances they've been using, like at Johns Hopkins and in all these depression studies, and they're growing it to do it on eating disorders and all these other different things, right? Which is really cool. So um, these OCD. So if I can have you back up for one second, yeah. The MDMA, you said that that is it is not legal yet, but it's on the verge of very close to being FDA approved. Okay. It's okay. like a, yeah, because they that one's a chemical and so they can make it into a drug, right? They, okay. So my daughter, after doing this research, um, she ended up doing a guided journey. And she told me that it was the first time in 10 years that she had felt joy. 
that she had seen beauty. So tell me about what is a guided journey? I don't know what that is. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) It would just be, is that like with a counselor or like her not being able to get into any studies at that time? Okay. And so it was just with, uh, like there is more underground facilitators than you would believe. And they're amazing people. And there are some people that, and there's actually some groups that are very, I want to say nefarious. They are not Not good people (laughs) out for, yeah. Some of these groups that are taking things, not telling you exactly what they are giving you something and they're, they don't have your best interests at heart. They want to make money off of you. They want to have ulterior motives. Yep. There are, there are some facilitators and businesses and companies that are terrible. Right. And then I, as I'm doing this podcast and interviewing people, it's shocking how many underground facilitators, shaman, people that guide journeys just because they've, you know, there's some that have been doing it for 10, 20 years. There's some that have just like have this passion for it because they've experienced it. And so, so she did a guided journey and that's just somebody there to make sure you're okay. Right. You, the, the plant medicine, the does the work mostly and you do right. And then after there's integration, we can talk about that later. So she does this journey. She says, I just felt normal. Mom, I didn't even feel high. I just felt like me again. Like I could, I could like see a purpose to live a reason to live. And I could feel happy and joyful. And Anyway, so this like for, and I noticed afterwards, like this glow, like, you know, when you see people in there and, and, and I did, I'd seen her <laughs> for child. how many years depressed. And I'm like, I know this beautiful little girl is under there and I know how amazing she is. And here she was back in her brilliance and just ready to live and go and liver magic and, you know, change the world. And so it was beautiful. It was really beautiful for me. And so how long does like a journey, like a guided journey, like how long does something like that take? I mean, is that like a three minutes or is that like an hour or what? So good. Such (laughs) a good question. Okay. So psilocybin, which is a lot of what they're using at Johns Hopkins for depression. And that lasts four to six hours usually. So I've heard, I've heard stories and I mean, I'll never get here sick of hearing these stories, but, um, of people where it goes longer, where it's, you know, stronger and not as strong. Every person is different and every experience with every person is different, but four to six hours is pretty standard. That's what you can expect. And then of course, you know, afterwards you're, you just have a lot to process. So you're not going to want to like get to work five minutes later. Right. You know, but the LSD, which they are using in many studies too, but that is much longer. And it is, I want to say, I've researched this. I just don't remember. I want to say like 14 hours or something, 12 to, they give you a range, right? 12 wow. to 16 hours or something. So that's a really long time. And, and I think possibly that's why they're using that more for microdosing. 
And we can get into that, all of this fun stuff I want to talk about, or we can, I can tell you a little of my story, or I can tell you about my microdosing experiences. Like whatever you, what are you feeling most interested in? All of it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let me go quickly touch on, um, psilocybin and LSD and what I found as far as like negative benefits. So picture you have this graph and there's scientific research. That's why I'm doing it in this graph. And you have these schedule one drugs, which right now, cannabis, psilocybin, LSD, you know, all of these things, peyote, they're in schedule one, but they're different. (laughs) They kind of, they're they're the things that they help you like ayahuasca. Traditionally, the native Americans help people get over alcoholism using ayahuasca, right. And people get off drugs by using these things. People, one gal that I have on my list to interview has an incredible story. And she got a mom, single mom of three. Well, she was getting divorced at this time when she got addicted to Ambien. And then she got addicted to heroin, went to rehab twice. And then what got her off of that was cannabis and psilocybin. Really? the, the stories are so incredible. And, and I, I really do also focus on some of the risks on the podcast too, because there are risks. I'm yeah, I'm sure. So we'll, as we go over this list, you've got these schedule on drugs like heroin, right. And meth and things like that in there. Very serious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we, we come down and we've got alcohol and that's pretty dangerous. It's a pretty dangerous substance. And then as we come down this list, I mean, we're up here at the top and you have this little bit as the dangers of cannabis. As far as physically on your body, I mean, there's some things you need to think about and, but it's nowhere near up here as even alcohol, right? Let alone meth, right? But so it's down here. And then like, if you go below the line (laughs) to like our, chemical foods into our, you know what I mean? You're right. In, you're in the food area of how dangerous mushrooms are, right? So the biggest dangers with that would be if you have a history of psychosis or multiple personalities in your family or schizophrenia, things like that, right? So there's yeah. triggering events that can trigger you into schizophrenia. Maybe you're just super stressed out at law school or your parents get divorced or whatever, and they can push you into what psychologists call it a triggering event that can kind of trigger this mental problem for you that maybe you were predisposed to whatever, but it can, so psilocybin, LSD, these things can be a triggering event also. So if you have, uh, even, even bipolar, I'd probably be very careful about from the research I've done, I don't have any stories of that triggering a bipolar person. I don't haven't interviewed anyone, but it's just things to think about as you're researching that as people are researching. So um, the, another thing is serotonin syndrome. That's probably one of the biggest things they mention is if you're on SSRIs and you SSRI. are, well, that's that? like a depression medication. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Serotonin (laughs) reuptake inhibitor or something like that. Okay. And so serotonin syndrome is when there's too much serotonin in your brain. So it's very, very rare, but they usually advise people to be off their medications for 30 days. I've heard of many people doing it before the, 
and, and that like is where you might have problems if you're doing a huge dose of something that's going to dump, dump serotonin, like MDMA just dumps all your serotonin. And then you can actually kind of be a little depressed afterwards where psilocybin, it it attaches to the same receptor from the research I've done. And they're still, I mean, brain research is still going on, right? But it attaches to the same receptors as your SSRI drugs. And so if you're on these, most of the experiences I've heard from people is they just don't feel anything. It doesn't do anything because the, the, their medications are already filling that receptor. So, gotcha. get in. so, but there are some dangers. So go, let's go back just a little bit about, um, when you're talking about the a guided journey or when any of these, these drugs are in someone's system, whether you're doing a large dose or a micro dose, what does that do? How do, how are people feeling about this afterward? Like, I mean, your daughter was like, okay, she felt great. She was like, she was her person again. She's, you know, and you could see it in her face and she was back, mm-hmm. but for how long does that last or what, um, effects do people have or how do they feel afterward? Are they like, yes. you know, like drugs that you talk about on the street and you talked about math and you know, everything like that. And the words on the street are, you're going back to like, find your next fix. Right the people that are like the junkies or whatever it is, but like, what does that mean for like, (laughs) okay, this is, I'm so glad this is probably one of the, I'm glad you asked this a very common question. So this is good. And I, I wanted to go there and then I got distracted because I, there's so much, right. Yeah. So it's all good though. I'm learning so much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's different for everybody. Some people the next day they're like, Oh, that was a medicine. And they're kind of just like, back to whatever normal life. A lot of people, they kind of have a glow for maybe 30 or 60 days or, you know, a little while. And they just feel that like you've had, so one person that described it as like a reverse trauma, but for me, I think of it as like, you just almost died. You had a, a near death experience. Right. And so you're not like that exact same forever, right? Like you, right after you're just like, oh my gosh, I saw heaven. I understand it. I saw larger consciousness. I get it. We're all one. And look at the, so we'll go into, for me, like I connected with each of my peoples, my children, my husbands. I like felt their souls. I don't know how else to explain it, but like, you know, the personality of your kids and I went and visited each one, but I was like experiencing them in all of their essence, their full beauty and potential and gifts and amazingness. And I felt it. You saw them differently after the fact is what you're saying. Like in that 30 to 60 days after. Yeah. So during things differently experienced them. And then I came home and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, why was I just so, I mean, I'd been 20, you know, whatever around 20 years of marriage and parenting. And my kids span right now from 22 down to six, I was like in it. Right. I've been doing this a long time and it just totally my midlife crisis of just like, is this all there is? I'm just going to work and kids and job and 
you know, right. like I didn't even feel connected to any of them. And I came home and I was just like, all of my like time priorities aligned. So when I was with this person, I was just with with this yeah. kid experiencing them and my heart just like, yeah, I'm here with you. What else do we got? What are we going to experience together? Let's just sit here together. Yes. Yeah. You know, you want to hold hand, you want to talk. Like it was, I imagine as a child, having a parent give you their full, full attention. I mean, it's not even the same as full attention. My heart was there with their heart. Like I can't even explain how it was. And for a little child and after this is after the fact, like months after the fact, I was just like, yeah, let's, you're going to roll in the mud. I'm going to roll in the mud. We're painting each other with my five-year-old and he's, we're giggling and we're just covered in mud at the river laughing. And he, like his face is just lit up. He's not staring and zoned out. This is funny that this is making me cry. Right. (laughs) I held it together with my daughter's story. He's not zoned out on some screen while I'm looking at my screen. We're there like connected and same with my teenagers. I just saw them and they wanted to talk to me more and be with me more. And we'd go spend time in nature together. And so it, for each person, it's different on how long kind of that afterglow lasts. For me, I was just like 60 days later, hugging people in the street. Like, do you know how amazing life is? Life is incredible. I died and I came back and I'm here and I got to ride a bike yesterday. And it was incredible. Anyway, (laughs) but it was, you think that your kids opened up more to you because you were more available? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, cause they weren't, they hadn't done anything like this or anything. No, it was was you. It was just me coming your eyes and like, I got them. I had experienced them. Like I had been them. I had felt what it felt to be their pure, true essence, which they don't even feel right now. I can't, it sounds so crazy. I can't, (laughs) but it is, I really relate it to like a near death experience. So it's this reverse trauma and trauma fades away. And these huge experiences you have, they fade away, right? You still have that, like something left from it. Maybe if you've heard people who have a near-death experience, like I realized it was my passion to do this, but they're not every second of every moment of every day, like lit up and on fire. They still go through ups and downs, right? But then they have, they can go back and be like, oh yeah, when I died, I knew I was supposed to come back and I was supposed to do this and I was supposed to change lives and tell people this, and this is my purpose and my mission. So it's similar to that for me. Um, and every person's different. Like some people just, that was a medicine. That was something I'm going to block, like block off, but I wanted to read you the, the studies. So I have all these experiences I've collected from normal people from whatever, but, um, it's, it's nice to have more of a, a data over 17 million people in the U S and 300 million people world, worldwide have experienced major depression. And then, so here we go. This is a Johns Hopkins study. The researchers reported that psilocybin treatment produced large decreases in depression. The depression severity remained low for one, three, six, and 12 months after. So they checked back in with them and they did the grid Hamilton depression rating score, which is just a standard measure assessment tool. It goes from zero to 24. If people are on the like 17, oh, severe depression is 17 to 23 and moderate depression 
18 to 16 mild depression. I might be skipping over something here anyway. So 23 is the highest zero is the lowest, right? If you're seven and under, they say you don't have depression, right? You have some, everyone kind of lives with normal stress and ups and downs and lows. So seven and under, you don't have depression over 17. It's severe. So most of the participants started at 22.8 pre-treatment and they went to 8.7 at one week. So seven is no depression. Oh my goodness. So then at um, six months, the average, I'm seeing if they say average, the overall scores is what it says, decreased to seven. And at 12 months, their score was 7.7. So for me, that's incredible. That's huge. None of our medication studies. No. Right? So it has these immediate effects and I'm kind of paraphrasing. And they're taking it all the medications out there, they're taking it every day. Yeah. And they're every day and they have other side effects and, and they're saving and they're taking something else to fix that. Right. Yeah. So my daughter was just numb on it. She was like, I couldn't feel and like this, you have this little narrow window of emotion. You don't have any of the joy and okay. And maybe sometimes she did feel more depressed, but maybe you're not feeling more depressed, but you just have this little window where you're just numb. You have no emotion. And right. who wants to live like that? You know, who wants, right. what is, what is someone's life worth? That's why I have to like, I have to do this podcast. I have to get the word out. And it's because I don't, I don't, I can't handle people living this way when there's other options and they don't know about them. That's the thing we think, oh, they're in this class one scary drug section. Right. And, and there are some, like I said, there are some significant things. If you have heart problems, that's another one you want to be careful of taking some of these things because they increase your heart rate, but there's so much potential for them that I feel like people need to know, and we need to get these legalized. So anyway, um, yeah, the long duration. So they, they are going to do more treatments that go further than a year. What my daughter did to kind of keep it up would be, she, she started doing a lot more art which is so cool. She hadn't done her art in a long time and she's awesome. So painting and doing things like that. She did more yoga, went outside in nature and just tried to meditate more and really get back. And and that's one of the things too, that got me asking even the first question about this to feel like what was, I asked some people I knew were doing underground ceremonies that I had met and I had heard that, but I was like, nope, that's crazy. That's weird. You know, I'm not going to talk to them about that part of their lives, you know? Right. Um, and, and I just was like, so why wouldn't you? Cause I've heard you can get to the same place with meditation. And they're like, well, I've heard that. Yeah. 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 Like people do. And you my brain train. doesn't shut off long enough to do that. <laughs> you may train for 20 years and be a yoga yogi master or whatever. And finally get to that place of enlightenment. And this just helps you is a little bit of a shortcut and just helps you feel and see what that is. And you're able actually to kind of tap into that through meditation easier. Gotcha. Keep that alive to go like, I know how to, I know what that felt like. And as I go into meditation, I'm going to, I'm going to go there. Like I'm going to allow that to come because I have experience with it. I don't know how to explain that because meditation is not really like trying for anything. But I think for me, it's just like, 
you know, you've seen, so you can't unknow it. And so then you're right. like, oh yeah, I, I'm going to relax and allow myself to get back to that place that I've felt of total peace and knowing and comfort. So the microdosing, she also did to help her keep that up. Yes. Talk to me about that. What, what is microdosing? You've mentioned so, that a couple of times, but I don't, is that just this stuff, but it's so just like tiny little dots or what? Yes. So, so, I mean, I call it mm, caffeine for your soul because it's about as serious as caffeine. What? So, yeah. So I would think of it that if you, you would feel it. So it's one Tenth approximately, and every person is different. And so the researchers are like, try this and then decide what works for your body. So the, the first person, now his name is, is slipping me, but um Fadiman, he is kind of the expert on on this because when they stopped, when he stopped legally being able to research this for the last 20 years, it's more than that, but 40, 60, anyway, long time. He started, he just said, just write me with your microdosing experiences. So over like a 10 year period, he got like 10,000 people writing him. And he's like, yeah, just try this much, like once every three days and then feel how your body is. And then tell me how much you end up using it based on what your body says you need. Most people, instead of every once every three days, ended up choosing to use it once a week. And it is about one-tenth of a large dose. So imagine taking 10 times the amount of caffeine you normally take. Do you think you'd feel a little bit funny, a little bit different, right? And so the difference between a large dose and a microdose is sub-perceptual, meaning you don't feel it. You don't know. So the first time I took this tiny little capsule and I went about my day, I actually kind of forgot that I took it and I was just doing work and kids and laundry and whatever. And it got to be the evening time. And I was like loading the dishes and I just had this smile on my face. And I was like, I am have dishes and running water and this beautiful home and a husband that loves me and he's working every day so that I can be here. And there's my kid and he's throwing a tantrum and he's just living life. Like he's experiencing this life to the fullest and he's beautiful. And I'm so like, what happened today? That was so good that like, just remembering it, this is why I love talking about it. Cause I'm crying. Like yeah, I can feel that like again. You are, you are radiating talking about it. <laughs> and it's like, you have the most inner peace. Oh. You can just see it on your face and in talking you like, oh. I mean, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very moving because I think I made uh, you cry too. So that's awesome. (laughs) Um, but it just, yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying about kind of remembering it. You can tap into that feeling. And this was a, a dose that the whole day, I didn't even remember. I took it. I wasn't feeling weird. I wasn't seeing things, whatever. I was just like, so I was trying to think back, like what made today so great? You know, did somebody bring me flowers? Did I, you know, I didn't, nothing happened. That was that great. I didn't talk with any girlfriends and have this great, whatever lunch or anything, nothing happened. Why, what made, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh yeah, I took that tiny little capsule this morning. I bet that has something to do with it, but it wasn't fake. It was like 
things that I logically, I want to be grateful every day that I have toilet paper and that I have running water and that, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, and even logically you can be like, yeah, there's so many other people that have less than me. Look at the people in Africa. And if you're not feeling it and you're depressed and your chemicals or, you know, like he talks about in Daniel, um, amen. I don't know if I'm, if it's amen or amen. Anyway, I think it's amen in his book. If your dopamine center, your frontal lobe is off or your, you know, he's talking about the different parts of your brain. And if they're under-functioning or over-functioning, then it makes you feel a certain way. It's so crazy, right? You're feeling low and depressed or you're feeling hyperactive and manic, whatever this is. And then you can take certain things that make it different. So they know it has a little something to do because it attaches to those serotonin receptors. So it's like, a little bit of fake serotonin, but I can't explain why you feel this deep, almost spiritual knowing and joy inside. It's not logical, right? But, you know, you look outside and there's another gal, if people are interested in microdosing, should have written down her name because I know Ayelet, Ayelet Wadman. And she has, it's kind of like a TEDx talk called A Really Great Day. And she has a book that documents her microdosing experiment. And she talks about every single day. And she was a former, like, I want to say attorney for drugs and alcohol, right? Like prosecuting <laughs> something oh, wow. like that, like something very opposite of what yeah. this was. And she was <laughs> had two daughters and was single and was so depressed. She's like, I don't know what else to do. Cause I'm probably not going to be here for my kids because I'm so suicidal. And she's like, I know this is illegal, but I have no other options. Nothing else is working. And she talks about the first time she's took it and she's working and she looks out at the tree and her heart is just filled with beauty of how beautiful that tree is. Yeah. She's just like, I haven't seen beauty in nature in a long time. Like this is something different, you know? And yeah. so she documents that and it's, she's really great resource for it. So, so microdosing, I also think of about the seriousness. So I'm very particular about how often I take caffeine, how often I take ibuprofen. I like, and, and even yes. how often I would microdose, I don't really do that that often. You know, it's not something that I'm flippant with very intentional about it. So caffeine, I don't want my tolerance to be so high that I just have to keep having more. I need to have my, so I do less than hundred milligrams twice a week of caffeine. And, and like this said, so what James Fadiman found in the stories is that most people used it less than what he told them to do. So as far as addictiveness and how much, and also as far as like how hard it is on your body, like they're doing more studies on microdosing. There's some going on right now if people want to look into them. But from what I've heard, do your own research. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I am not a right. you know right. psychiatrist. None of these things. This is just my own experiences and experiences of others that I've heard. I'm more worried about what chemicals are in my foods than yeah. I am <laughs> about that. There's chemically addictive. Cannabis is not chemically addictive, but people, it's people use it to numb and therefore form a habit around it. And they kind of use it as a crutch still. Right. And that's better than suicide for me. Like I'd rather have my loved one using cannabis and sitting on the couch, laughing at a TV show or whatever they do, you know, uh, hopefully not driving on it. Right. That like then killing themselves. Right. I'd really much rather get my loved one help 
so that they can work through those underlying issues that they have to numb, use alcohol, use shopping, use numbing by watching TV or Facebook. I'd rather get them the underlying help. And the beautiful thing about this is that what he found in these first 10,000 people that sent him microdosing stories. So this isn't a study. It's just stories. What he found predominantly is people said that they felt like getting outside and moving more. They felt like doing yoga and going on hikes. They felt like life, embracing life. Yeah. Eating healthier. Yeah. They felt, I mean, of course, happier was one of the things. And the, the, he has a really great 30 minute YouTube video that goes, he spoke at a symposium and it goes over a lot of those things, but it's nobody knows about, not nobody, but people don't know about this. Right. And, and the more we know, and then when it comes to be voted on in our state, we can be informed about this and we can know what the consequences are and how serious it is. Does that answer most of your questions on microdosing or is there still a little bit? Yes. No, I think that that definitely does because I wasn't aware, but that's not, none of these things, I just want to like make this kind of clear, but none of these things are legal. Like you, I mean, if if somebody's like, so listening to this right now and they're like, oh my, okay. So I, I need, I need to figure this out. I need to do my research and figure out this out. But what do they, what do they do? Where do they how do they this go about this? Is or why I'm spreading they, a, or... awareness because mm-hmm. most places it's not legal. The, you know, people go to Peru because you can legally do ayahuasca. Costa Rica has some things that people go there for. And Canada has, it, it's, you have to look into the rules in Canada, but I, I guided someone on a hike from Canada here in our gorgeous Red Rocks. And we were talking about this and they're like, oh yeah, I have my microdosing pills with me. And then I I wonder if I should have brought those on the plane. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have brought those on the plane. I didn't think about it. They're just my, I was prescribed them by a doctor. I have my microdosing pills, you know, from Canada. I was like, Oh, that's amazing. Like, that's so cool that you have access to that. And she's like, Oh yeah, they're way better than my antidepressants were, you know, I love it. And was telling me about it. And they were from where? So that was, she was from Canada. I don't know what part of Canada, Canada, that's all a mystery to me. (laughs) Yeah. No, and then okay. Oregon legalized this a couple years ago and they're rolling out. So they, it it's for that. You have to go, what do they call it to like a mental health facility kind of thing? More like we're doing ketamine now. So ketamine is legal. It's being used off label and you'll go in and you'll get a ketamine dose and they'll kind of sit with you there. And some people offer counseling and therapy after some people have like they're it's, being experimented with. Basically people are doing all kinds of different things and that's having a lot of great results. uh, Ketamine is more of a dissociative. So you kind of pull out of your body, which is different, but that's actually the one gal I was talking about. I interviewed where she saw her abuse and she wasn't so attached to it. And she saw it from a higher level of consciousness. So it has that are doing this or that are prescribing this or doing this for people or that, what was the last one you just mentioned? Oregon? Ketamine. No, the, um, ketamine. ketamine. Yeah. Where, I mean, but where is this, this isn't happening well, in medical ketamine's facilities. everywhere. Yeah. We've got a clinic right now. I could just walk in in St. George to the 
ketamine. There's a couple different places that offer ketamine treatments. There's actually okay. the one I told about that's male ketamine. I don't, the name slips me, but you could just type in male ketamine into Google and it'll be probably the first thing that pops up. Huh. And they have you go through the process of like talking with their clinician or whatever there. I haven't done that. But, um, or you walk in and, and usually they have a therapist or someone that works with you Okay. as you're doing it. They hold you there in the office. I know one of them is an IV, even though these mail-in ones are, are oral, um, uh-huh. and you're there and they're watching over you because it is a dissociative, like you leave your body. So they're watching over your body and your vitals and things like that. And the dosage and trying to okay. get that right. And they combine it with therapy and that's found everywhere. The, the challenge with that is what I've heard. I've never tried, but you can get that on the street ketamine for like 13 bucks. And when this started out, it was like $1,500 a treatment, you know, like, so yeah, but you this, don't know what's laced with it and like, right. and it's not worth that, that. but it's, it's not, like, can't we find this happy medium? So that's what they're doing in Oregon. They've spent two years really getting therapists trained, psychiatrists trained, psychedelic trained and informed practitioners. And so that they can roll this out medically with the providers and they're still desperately in need of more providers, right? They're kind of going to be the, you know, how the first States that legalized cannabis where everyone's looking to them, like what went wrong? What went well? Like, you know, what do we want? Do we want that to happen or not? And so they'll kind of be the Guinea pig there in Oregon. And it's really exciting. So it's, it's, it's not the same. You have to look at the laws, but you could think of it as medically legal in Oregon. That's kind of like an easy way to think of it. Yeah. And then um, I actually need to go because October, November, I think it was November 8th, Colorado just legalized. So they de- completely decriminalized and decriminalized just means it's the lowest priority for the police. They're not like making it a priority to spend money to go sure. find somebody who's microdosing or right. even someone who's doing these, these psychedelics or cannabis and right. they've got bigger fish to fry, but the, it's still illegal. And they actually, so the term, the terminology I read um, in some of the reports is it's in certain instances, actually legal. And in the rest of the cases decriminalized. So the, the, I need to go and like, really it's, it's kind of a pain to go look through the law and, and decipher what that means. So I haven't yet, but I will anyway. So, (laughs) so Colorado's the next one that has done a lot of work on the legalization and Utah just put together a task force and it had people from, um, the U of U from all different, like very well-respected people. And I have a little article on my group um, I have a, a free Facebook group, Life Changing Trips, and I put that article on there, what they found, which was very awesome because I, you can't look at all the research and go, yeah, that's nope, no medical use. Like there's no way that smart people can look at the research and say there's no medical use. So of course right. they found that there was promising medical use for it. Yeah. And I probably got off on another tangent and didn't no. even answer your question. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, that's... Yeah, just how you you answered it very clearly, actually, of where it is that it, it this is somewhat legal, and and they're doing more research all the time to bring these things in. I mean, what there, in my opinion, I mean, there's all of these medications that are narcotics or whatever, or the depression anti or anxiety medications, and I mean, if you're not regulated and somebody doesn't know 
mm-hmm. what is it, what dose it is that you should be taking. I mean, what's the difference, whether it's a, oh yeah, the small micro dose or the, you know, as long as somebody or yourself has done the research to figure out what it is you need. And a lot of people in this world today, even with the medical part of taking anxiety medications, they are self-diagnosing themselves on what does work, what doesn't. And, and that, because people are interested in their lives and what is best for them because they know their bodies. So I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you wanted to talk about it and shared it all with us because I mean, everything has a downside if you don't do it the correct way or you abuse it or, you know, but the fact that this is helping people that are needing it because they don't have any other ideas of which ways to go, but you just don't talk about this part of it because it's taboo, right? Yeah. It's like, no, because then you're a junkie or you're like whatever on the street. I mean, it's just yeah, not, it's, it's changing that stigma and that perception of it, it is yeah. is what I'd like to do. Not that it's 100% safe, not that it's the magic pill, right? You know, but I just want people to look into it and understand what it is a little bit more. And maybe maybe it's not for them, but maybe it saves one of their family's members' lives. You know, yeah. who's suicidal and how much. Yeah. How, how much just having that education out there and I think it will come, but a little bit of it is, is just that those stories and normal people understanding what it is. Yeah. Well, and I had no idea that there was all of that information out there, you know, and books written and all of that kind of thing. And yeah, huge, huge praise to you that you're bringing this to the forefront and making awareness and wanting to dig in and clue people in. Yeah. Yeah. I want to mention one more thing if you have a time. Yeah, absolutely. That's integration. So no matter what you're doing or I think everybody needs like a really fantastic life coach or in the psychedelic industry, we call it integration coach, right? But somebody to help you figure it out and integrate these things into your life. So you can read this awesome book. Do you integrate it into your life? Do you use the things you watch this YouTube video? Oh, that's amazing. Do I do it? Right. You can have this incredible experience where you see the universe and how it all works and the purpose of life. And then you can go back to just living your normal life, like we said, but integrating those epiphanies, those peak experiences into where they become who you are. You live that you, you, of course you're going to go up and down, right. But you have kind of a new normal here and you're doing that. You're doing the things you want to do with the meditation or being the mom you want to be, or your, whatever it is. A lot of people have found that it helps their creativity or even just their fulfillment and business and their clarity on where to go in life. Their intuition is on, but if you have some type of a psychedelic informed practitioner that understands these things that you can talk to them about, and they're more and more people every day getting trained and of course we have the underground that's trained 
over 20 years of experience or 10 years of experience or just by experience, but then there's more programs that people are training in. So anyway, having some type of an integration coach, highly recommend. How does somebody go about doing that? How does somebody go about finding somebody like that? Because yeah. I'm sure that's what most people are thinking right now. So okay, fun. How do you go about even doing that? So I realized that part of the reason when I started this, it was just like, you need to do this. And I had some people come back to me that I had told about, I I guided their hike and from all around the world. And then I told them about this and they came back to me and were like, oh my gosh, I was depressed and I was suicidal or whatever. And I found a facilitator in my area and I did what, because you inspired me that it wasn't so crazy and weird. And yeah whatever. And it changed my life. And they're telling me these stories about how they're not suicidal anymore and how they met a new person and they're married or whatever it is. And I'm like, I've got to tell more people. So as I, I knew that that, but I didn't know the, the end of the story. I didn't know where this is all leading, but one of the things that I've realized now that I get to do is on my website, have a directory and some videos and of course the podcasts of these psychedelic informed practitioners so people can find them and be able to know and of people so i'll have some i'm having some interviews with them on my website okay and you can check out the life-changing trips podcast so i'll have that up that's part of like i just realized oh yeah this is it i gotta do this so it will be coming. And then, um, of course you can just contact me and I have a list of them too, before I get them out or join our life-changing trips, Facebook group Okay, request to be joined and I can, and help you with that. But I really, even if you're just like microdosing on your own, or you're getting ketamine treatments over the mail, or you just came back from an ayahuasca experience in Peru or whatever, having some coaching and we'll have some set up too. I'm working on that right now. And I have some awesome, awesome people working with me that they'll be able to help, whether it's over zoom or in person as a a little program, a, a program to do that with. And, and same with retreats, we'll have some, not that we will be giving out any illegal drugs or encouraging that, but assisting in integrating integrating those things into your life. And that's what you do in any retreat. I don't know if you've been to some where you're like, that was life-changing. And then you have to still integrate that into your life. (laughs) But the information at that would be huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So people need to check out your website for the information. And then you've got a link tree of like all the different things. So for now, they can start with my Facebook group and then I'll have that website up soon, but they can ask questions there and get into our, like our next round of when we're going to do that integration program, the next group of the integration program kind of just raise their hand and say, yep, I want to be in the next one. So, okay. That sounds awesome. Awesome. Oh my goodness. I've learned so much. (laughs) I've learned so much today. Yay. It's been fascinating. It's uh, very eye-opening. So I really appreciate it. I will have your information um, in the notes um, attached to this podcast so people can find you and where to go. Yeah, I, I, I'm very thankful that you were so gracious to talk to us about all of this today. And I think you're doing fantastic things. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I'm so glad you were willing to 
send this out to your people too. So trust me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. I look forward to seeing where else things go with you and um, the progress you're going to make. And I think you're going to make huge waves. So yay. I know I'm excited for your podcast too. That was so fun to hear your trailer and see where it goes following, following you and your podcast. That'll be awesome. I I hope it, it goes, all goes really well. I'm excited about it. Oh yes. You're, you're already on that path. So fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a fantastic day and we will chat with you soon. Okay. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for subscribing and leaving a review. Come join our amazing free community, Life Changing Trips. There's a link in the description.